The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Yeah, it's good to be here. This is a great church, so powerful. Just feel right at home here. Pastor John, Pastor Ann, you guys are top-notch pastors, man. These guys are amazing. Don't you guys love your pastors right here? So good. Just love missions churches. I've been, I got saved, and one of the first things they did was they taught us how to give to missions and to go and preach the gospel all over the world and bring the kingdom. Yeah, you can just tell them I said hi. <laughs> and uh, so good. Well, yeah. How many guys know Bethel Church? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's my home church. It's where I'm. It's where we live, but I'm not from there. I am, I'm originally born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. And when I say Utah, you think of Mormons. They have mountains too, man. What's up with that? They have mountains. Think of mountains, and they have the Utah Jazz, but I don't know. I, who cares about the Utah Jazz? Does anybody like the Utah Jazz? No, I didn't think so. So, uh, no, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I loved it. I loved the city. I loved the state. And, um, and I, had, uh, I was raised in a Christian home and walked away from the Lord for a little while as a teenager and uh, just began to pursue God for myself at about 18 years old, reading the Bible for myself, crying out to God if you're real, and he met me right where I was at. And uh, I just began to read the Bible for myself in my bedroom and in my living room. And, uh, you know, when you pray, God, are you real? Show yourself to me. He just, you just better be careful because he loves to answer those prayers like a flood. He'll come into your life and reveal his goodness, reveal his love to you in such a personal and unique way that uh, you'll get so rocked by his love that nothing could stop you from loving him back. I was a hard-hearted teenager. I was just out doing my own thing. And when I encountered God, everything changed in such a powerful way that you couldn't keep me out of church. <laughs> and so, um, so, yeah, but then I, my journey, I won't be able to share a lot of my journey this morning, but uh, go with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14, and um, but I got bit by the revival bug a long time ago. Anybody here been bit by the revival bug? You love revival. You love seeing the move of God's spirit. You love seeing people's lives transformed and changed, and I can open this water bottle. I promise I'm strong enough. And... Um, um, we have um, around 400 teenagers um, in our youth ministry. We probably average around 250 kids a night at a youth service and then hundreds more in Sunday school and different places. But one of the most exciting things that we get to do is empower kids to take the gospel of power and love to their campuses and release the grace of God to the lost. That's one of my greatest passions is that we get to take these kids who, uh, from church kids to kids who don't know God at all, and bring them into an encounter with the Father and then send them back to just release the gospel of grace into their school systems. And, uh, and so that's what we do. That's what we do a lot of is we, we have a student leadership team where we, um, we empower kids and show them their identity, teach them who they are, and send them back onto their campus. In fact, we had, I like to tell a lot of stories. You guys like stories? Yeah. All right. We, were, um, we have one kid. We don't do a ton of outreach because we feel like... Outreach is a great catalyst to teach you a lifestyle of how to live the supernatural all the time. And so we send our kids on campus to live the supernatural. And this one kid named Mac, everybody say Mac. All right, you're with me. 
Mac goes onto his campus one day and he, he just decides, I'm so, he was so overwhelmed by God's love, he decided, I'm going to go and just find somebody that needs prayer. So he's walking around the campus and he walks up to a kid and he gets what we call a word of knowledge. How many of you guys heard a word of knowledge? Word of knowledge. Walks up to this young man and says, excuse me, do you have pain in your back? And the guy looks at him and he's like, he's like, yeah, how'd you know that? And he says, well, sometimes God speaks to me for people because he likes to show his love and he likes to show his grace. Can I pray for you to be healed? And he says, sure. So he puts his hand on his back. Mac is 14 or 15 years old. Puts his hand on his back and just releases the presence of God to his back. And all of a sudden, the pain just completely leaves his back and he gets totally healed. And the guy's like, that's incredible. And the presence of God just begins to hit him all over the place. He begins to just get... What we, he just begins to just get tipsy. This isn't a soaking renewal meeting. This is like a, a high school campus in America. And uh, he says, what is that? And he, Max says, that's the presence of God. And he was getting so touched by the presence of God, then Max shared the gospel with him, and the young man gave his life to Jesus Christ as a result of that. So I love talking about empowering people in the power of the Spirit to take the stuff and, and go into high schools, and all over the world, and share the gospel. And uh, I just want to bring a few thoughts with you today to just challenge you where you're at and to just empower you to just go do the stuff. I know your pastor just did a series on the Holy Spirit. That's exciting. The God factor, the God advantage. And, um, and so, but you know, there's a thought in the body of Christ that rumbles around that says, Lord, let me decrease so you can increase. And it sounds like a spiritual prayer because I want the world to see all of God and none of me, but since the cross, that, that prayer became illegal. Let me explain. John the Baptist came along and he said, Lord, let me decrease and let you increase, and that was a legal prayer for him because that was a legal prayer to end an era of the Old Testament. But in Isaiah 60, you see God talking about the church saying, arise and shine for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. He says arise and shine. He doesn't say arise and reflect. So it's our time to arise and shine. John the Baptist prays, Lord, let me decrease so you can increase. And then the disciples come along. They walk with Jesus for three and a half years. They see Jesus shining and drawing all men to himself. And then he dies, and he basically kept saying, guys, listen, the thing that's on me, it's going to get on you. And I'm going to say, tag, you're it, your turn. The same thing I've been doing, the same way I've been living, the same way I've been walking in the supernatural, first of all, as God's son that he's proud of, that I'm not doing the supernatural to perform for love, but I'm doing it from a place of sonship and from a place of love. He said, I'm going to say, tag, you're it. So you know the story. They, Jesus dies on the cross. He raises from the dead. He comes and he says, don't leave Jerusalem till you get what's been on me, the power of the Holy Spirit. Once it comes on you, then you'll go and you do this all over the world. This is the Tom Crandall version. But you guys know your Bible, so I think. <laughs> So the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples, and the Bible says that they, that the church was, that basically the church was birthed that day. Peter stands up, preaches the gospel, 3,000 people were added to their number that day. From that time on, you never see the prayer, Lord, let me decrease so you can increase. But instead, you see people arising and shining for the light has come. What are we? We are the body of Christ. We're not the head, we're the body. But what would happen if the body stepped into the fullness of who God is and began to operate as God has called them to be, the bride of Christ? It means that when people see us, they would actually see Jesus. 
they would see the same thing that was on us, just like the disciples in the book of Acts when they, they got arrested and they got taken away and they looked at these disciples and they said, they're ordinary unschooled men. And they just took note that they've been with Jesus because they look just like Jesus used to look like. The same man they'd crucified a bit ago, these men look just like him. So what are we? We're God's children. We're God's sons and daughters. It's important as you approach talking about the supernatural and you talk about uh, how to walk in the presence and power of God, one of the first things that I like to do is bring people into an encounter with the Father's love. Because if we don't know our identity, we'll conform to the environment that's around us. And if that environment, if the, what's popular in that environment is walking in the supernatural, we'll walk in the supernatural to perform for love and get approval. But Jesus, when he gets baptized in the Jordan River, he comes up out of the Jordan, the heavens split, and before he'd done anything, God speaks and he says, my boy. He probably said it just like that too, but with an Aussie accent, I'm sure. Far out, my son. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm working on my Aussie. I've been with Darren. It's all right. You know, I've wanted to come to Australia ever since I saw crocodiles. I'm sorry. Ever since I saw Crocodile Dundee as a child, that's not a knife, that's a knife. Ever since I saw it, I've been like, I've got to go to Australia. So I'm not going to completely humiliate myself by trying to attempt the Aussie accent. I have a lot of friends that are Australians. In Reading, we have around 600 international students from all over the world that come to our school of ministry, and, and we have, uh, I've just got a lot of friends, a lot of mates, no, a lot of friends, that, um, that are Australian, just great, great people. But this, this idea that we, we step into an encounter with who we are as sons and daughters has to become a reality of how we see ourselves. Bill Johnson puts it like this. Any thought that's in my head about me that's not in his has right to be questioned. Any thought that degrades ourselves, oh, in the name of lifting up Jesus, is really a religious answer to shaming ourselves and partnering with lies about how we see ourselves. I've never felt spiritual, degrading myself in the name of lifting up Jesus. In fact, it doesn't actually please the heart of the Father. I'm a dad. I'm an awesome dad at that. Thank you very much. I love my kids. My son plays basketball, and he just played his first game yesterday. And uh, I was talking to my wife about it, and last year he was terrible at dribbling. This year he got really good. So he's out there on the court playing, and if you're familiar with basketball, people are trying to get the ball, and he's just dribbling forever for like 30 seconds. And all the people in the stands are like, pass the ball! And he's like, what? You can't get the ball. I can't touch this, you know? He's got the song going in the background. And, uh, and he just wasn't even passing it. And he'd only pass it to one. It was our first game. He's 11. He'd only pass it to one kid. Kids are open. They're like, over here. And he's passing it to his friend, Evan, you know. And he's just, he's just trying to figure out the game. But if, if his approval and if celebrating him was based on how good he was at basketball, he'd be performing for love. But instead, it's just like, look at that kid. He can dribble. He didn't, he's not scoring a point. But nobody's going to get that ball from him. <laughs> you know, his approval is based on who he is as my son, nothing he does. And so it's important that we nail down our identity. If we feel like we have to do something in ministry to get God to love us more, we just got to spend time resting in the Father's arms. Me and Darren were talking yesterday about this, about prayer and living a life of prayer. And uh, I was... uh, I used to be in Utah. I used to just pray and spend time with God, get ready for our youth service. And many times I just lay down on my back and I put on some worship music and I just sit there and, and just kind of soak. 
just letting God's love just wash over me. And I would get into this. This might sound totally unspiritual, but follow me for a second. I'd fall half asleep, and in this dream state, I'd hear the Lord talking to me about what he was wanting to do in the place. And I'd come out of that place with a word burning in my spirit to preach, and it was powerful. That was how many, this season of my life, I would get many times, I would hear from God. And uh, it sounds unspiritual to fall asleep when you're praying until I heard Bill say one time that I've never gotten mad at my kids for, for falling asleep in, my, in their father's arms. You can just rest in my arms and just receive my love. I find that the more I receive his love as a son, the better I am at everything, the better father I am, the better husband I am. The more I, I shut off the voice of shame in my life that tries to come and steal my identity or tell me I'm not enough, the more I shut that down, the more I step into the Father's love. Perfect love, in fact, casts out fear. It casts out shame. And it's amazing how loud the voice of shame is inside of us trying to get us to believe lies about ourselves. And so, anybody ever struggled with that before? Yeah. Well, I'm talking about developing a supernatural culture, but I'm talking here a lot about hearing the voice of God. Because I think if we're going to walk in the supernatural, we have to learn how to identify the voice of God. Amen? I love the supernatural. I love talking about it. In fact, I'll tell you a story. We have a young girl. Her name is Natalie. And um, her father passed away of cancer August 13th, several years ago. It wasn't just a day that her father passed away. He passed away on her sister's birthday. So she's a heartbroken girl. She's coming to our youth group. She's about 15 years old, and she's wondering, God, do you see me? I hear the gospel all the time. I read, I see the Bible. She goes to a Christian school, but she walks around with this ache in her heart of confusion. She walks around with this ache in her heart of why, why did this happen, all this stuff. So this last year, we had our youth camp, and one of my friends, his name is Sean Bowles, he comes to the youth camp, and he's really stepped into this really powerful anointing where he hears specific information for people. I've never seen anything like it before. He gets words of knowledge for people's names and birthdays and parents' names and just releases a word of faith. It's incredible, and it, it's amazing how known you feel by God when a word of knowledge gets called out that's so accurate like that. For example, um, we were sitting there at the youth camp, and... He says, okay, so God's been just, and he's really just cool. He just talks like this. He's not like the televangelist with all the words of knowledge. And uh, he, he says, so I just got these words. I'll just see if they make sense to anybody else here. And he says, uh, I just heard the words, Sarah Jane, agent of shield. Does that mean anything? And all my kids are sitting over here, and they all went, whoa, I'm just freaked out. And what we have is a teenager, her name, I didn't know her middle name until the, this guy called it out. Her name is Sarah Jane Shields. So she stands up, and then he said, and I just heard the word Dawn. She said, that's my mom. Edwin, that's my dad. <laughs> so we're all just like, oh, my gosh. Have you ever seen anything like that before? And so he has this whole word of encouragement for her family and, and just for what they've been going after, and it was just really, really powerful. And, and then he's sitting there, and he says, okay, I, I got this other word, and I have a leader. One of his, his, na his name is Nate Nenow. That's his name, Nate Nenow. And he says, uh, I just heard a word for somebody. I just heard this phrase. Let's see if it makes sense to anybody. Nate, get on your knees now. <laughs> and so Nate stands up, and we're all just like, that's just amazing. And then he has this whole word about, 
business that he's been going after. And it's just this empowering word that just gave courage to his heart. And, uh, and we were all just celebrating with him. It was awesome, right? And he did that 19 times for all these teenagers in the room. One of them that was just my favorite. He had a word. I can't remember the details of it. But it was for this little girl. He calls her out. Her name is, her name is Julia. She's one of our teenagers. And her dad's struggled with drugs and alcohol for all of her life. And he had this word, and it was amazing how through this, he prophesied like a father of love, how he just covered this girl in love. Nobody would have known it was her dad by the way he was prophesying, but she knew who he was talking about. And she was just getting so wrecked by the father's love that she felt known and valued and seen in the moment. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good? That's why I love the power of God. So then Natalie is sitting there in the service, August 13th, father passed away, and she's saying in her heart, God, if you see me, let him call me out. Well, the whole service goes by, and for some reason, the Holy Spirit didn't highlight Natalie in this service. So we move on. The week was great. It was powerful. We go home. That was in June. In September, we had enrollment for our student leadership team, and all the kids come, and they, they sign up, and um, Natalie signs up because she feels called to be a leader. And so she goes to get ready to go to this encounter retreat. And uh, we do an encounter retreat for a whole weekend, a Friday morning and a Saturday night. And she comes, and she's getting ready to, to, to be there. And she's, she's at home, actually, and she's kind of wrestling through, should I go? I don't know. Should I just, I'd rather go with my friends. Or maybe somebody will call out August 13th. Maybe, God, you'll see me today. It's just what's going on in her heart. How many of you guys know sometimes people need to know that God sees them? So she's sitting there, and she decides, I'm just going to go. So she takes courage. She goes to church that night. She's sitting there, and... And we empower our teenagers all the time to walk in words of knowledge and take risks. And so these kids come up in front of about 75 teenagers or so, and, and uh, this one teenager gets the mic and he says, I just heard the date, August 13th. Does that mean anything to anybody here? And Natalie's sitting out there, her heart's pounding, and she's thinking to herself, that's, that's me. That's, that means something to me. Raises her hand. That was the day that her father passed away. On her sister's birthday, these friends come over, they gather around her, and they just prophesy over her, and she gets like five more words of knowledge that just blast her with love. All the confusion, all the doubt, all the wondering, God, do you see me, are instantly blown away in one encounter with, with a supernatural God. Instantly, all that stuff just lifts off of her, and she feels known by the Father. She feels seen by the Father. She feels loved by the Father. This is her story when she told it to me. And so I love the power of God. I love seeing people operate in it. But what I love about this story is it wasn't the big man of God who prophesied over her. It was one of the other teenagers. What's the point? The point is, the, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Listen, it's important that the whole body begins to look like Jesus and be activated in supernatural power as sons and daughters, but walking in power and love that gets people to turn their attention towards the gospel. Amen? Amen. How many of you guys want to see people saved? This feels like you guys love preaching the gospel. You're an evangelistic church. I love that. I'm, 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 I have a big heart of an evangelist. And I want to see people get their attention towards the good news. I've had kids come in my youth service that have, that have never been to a church before. It's a biblically illiterate generation that's rising up in America right now. We are so primed for the biggest move of God that's ever been seen in America. I'm fully convinced of that. Because people are stepping into churches right now. They, they, don't, they don't own a Bible. They don't even, I've had kids, they've never even heard of the Garden of Eden before. So they step in and they're like, what, uh, what, this is what's going on here? 
And when you bring them into an encounter with a God who sees them, it's just a blank canvas, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's such an opportunity. You guys have an opportunity here in Australia to impact Sydney forever. But it's not going to happen by bringing people to church. It's going to be by you being the body of Christ and going and being the church. Amen. You've heard it said before, sometimes you're the only Bible a person's ever going to read. And it's important that you understand, man, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved. My capacity to let God love me will determine how much God loves others through me. Does that make sense? Yeah, shame is just a sucker. I hate shame. I've felt ashamed before. And I hadn't even done anything wrong. I just didn't feel like I measured up. I wasn't enough. I didn't measure up to the standard of what a preacher should be. Or I didn't measure up. I didn't have the gifts so-and-so had. Or I didn't have, you know, all the, the different, uh, you, know, uh, you know, personality that, I, that a leader needs to have to change the world. All this stuff. And I kept discounting myself for not being something else that God never created me to be. And really what it was is it's a voice of shame that comes through comparison. And how many guys love social media? All right, we, we do that on social media. We get on Instagram and we're like, oh man, look at that guy's life. He's got it all together. He's amazing. That's because he's not posting the selfie right when he gets out of bed and his hair's on nasty and he hadn't brushed his teeth yet, you know? We put the best stuff out there for people to see. Hey, how's it going? And we compare the inside of our world to the outside of somebody else's. And it's an instant fail move because you can't, you, you, everybody else is taken. You're the only unique you in the world, Amen. And so if we're going to beat the voice of shame, we have to come into a place of just letting God love us. Now, now listen, I've seen people that have been in church for 50 years come into an encounter with the love, the love of the Father, and they didn't think there was more because they've been around so much church. But listen, guys, there's more of God to be had. Wherever you're at in life, there's a whole lot more of God to be had. And he wants to just tear off the lips of shame today and then bring the love of the Father right where you're at and make you feel known and loved and valued. Isn't that good news? Isn't God good? Come on. So if we want to begin to walk in the supernatural, we have to first come to the place where we hear God say, you're my boy, you're my son, you're my beloved daughter, and help you feel valued and loved so you're not performing for love, but you're performing from love. Amen? And we have to develop the right beliefs about the supernatural. Sometimes when I say the word supernatural, you think of magic or you think of, you know, uh, who knows what you think of. But the supernatural to God is just natural. It's normal. To God, there is no difference between natural and supernatural. He's God. He lives outside and inside of time and he crosses all barriers. To us, though, who are limited to time and all that stuff, we look at the supernatural and think, okay, what, what, is that, what does that look like? But to God, it's, it's the same. And so from A to Z, the Christian life is supernatural. See, we're supposed to, uh, we're, we are supernatural beings having a temporary natural experience, but to God, nothing is supernatural, only to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and he shows us how we can step into the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and, and all the gifts of the Spirit are available to us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? God wants to bring the baptism of the Holy Spirit to our lives, and it's more than a language of tongues. Tongues is a part of it, but there's power that he wants to give us to live bold for God and destroy the works of the devil everywhere we go and lift up Jesus and bring the reality of an encounter with him to every person we come in contact with. But if you read in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the nine gifts of the Spirit that are listed here. I know your pastor just did a series on this, and uh, 
And so the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gifts of miracles, gifts of healing, and it's great to learn these verses, but I want to see them fleshed out. I want to see it happen. And if I read the Bible, it doesn't really tell me like how to actually do it. I can just read stories and see how others did it, but then I got to do something called this experiment to see, are these hands loaded when I put them on somebody? But look at your hands and just, just say this over yourself. Say, they're loaded. <laughs> they're loaded, baby. You got to say it with your secret sauce. You know what I'm saying? These suckers are loaded. Or suckers, however you'd say it in Australia. These suckers are loaded. <laughs> and so we want to see this fleshed out, man. Luke 22, verse 29, Jesus said, I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father has bestowed one upon me. Same one that was on him is, about to, is on us. Luke 12, 32, do not fear, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You see, we have access to the gifts of the Spirit through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've heard people say to me before, I have the gift of healing. I have the gift of miracles. And I'm like, that's great, but what if you're standing in front of somebody who doesn't need a healing or a miracle? You see, the best gift of the Spirit is the one needed for the job staying in front of you. If I need to cut a board, I'm not going to grab a hammer and just start pounding it. Amen? And so it's not about owning any of the gifts. It's about we are all flowing in one spirit, one Lord to the, to the world. And, and so when I'm open and I'm just walking with the Father and my senses are open to how I hear his voice, I can see and begin to function the way he wants to move in the moment. Let me explain for a second. How many of you guys ever hear God's voice through the still small voice in your heart? Raise your hand. How about hearing thoughts? You ever walk into a room and all of a sudden you start thinking about somebody that you weren't even thinking of before? It's just a random thought. See, it's important to understand how the voice of God speaks inside of you so you can begin to walk in the spirit, so you can recognize how he's moving through you. And I know it's a shaka, but did you know that English is not God's first language? If you're Chinese, Chinese is not God's first language. If you're from Singapore, Singaporean? I don't know what they speak in Singapore. I'll move Singlish. <laughs> God actually speaks in so many different ways. He speaks through dreams and visions. He speaks through thoughts and impressions. One time I was in a room and I was about to dismiss a group of people and all of a sudden my foot just got really hot, just out of the blue, randomly. So I took it as a sign. God wants to heal somebody's foot. I said, who here, here has pain on the top, this side of your left foot? And three people came forward. Two of them, the pain instantly vanished. The other one uh, had to go check it out later. And God just healed their foot. One time I was in the Philippines preaching, and it was actually an air-conditioned building, and I was very thankful for that. And, um, and I'm getting ready to go up there and speak, and all of a sudden, right in the small of my back, it just got really hot. And I was like, what is that? That's just strange. I looked behind me. There's no blow dryer on my back, and nobody's breathing on me, so I was thankful for that too. <laughs> and so I sat there for a minute. And then all of a sudden, it went away, and then it came back. And I'm like, all right, let's go for it, God. So I stood up there to preach, and I said, who here has pain right here in your back? And I explained exactly what I was feeling. And one lady got instantly healed in the moment. Another lady came up to me at the end of the service, and she got instantly healed as well. What is that? It's called it releases faith and just touches people right where they're at. That God sees me. God knows me. And there's an impartation that comes for healing in the moment. But you see, this isn't just for the big preacher to do. This is for you if you're 12 years old. This is for you if you're 48. This is for you if you own, if you're the CEO of a, of a corporation or a business. It's, it's, it, what is this? This is not the job of, of preachers and ministers. This is the job of believers. 
We got any believers in the room today? Are you believing God today to move through your life, to touch your family? You see, many times we have a grid that I have to just preach the gospel right now. I just got to preach the gospel. And I love preaching the gospel. I went to the Reinhardt Bonnke School of Evangelism on how to preach the gospel. I got so shuckabobbed inside of me. I was sundi all over the place, crying every day. It was amazing, you know. But like, I found that most people I come in contact with don't want me walking up to them and saying, hey, did you know Jesus has a plan for your life? He died on the cross for your sins, and he wants to save you now if you call on his name. And they're like, whoa, hey, back it up, coaches. You know, hey, just give me some space. Let's get to know each other a little bit. But I have found by learning how to just walk in the Spirit and identify how the Holy Spirit moves through me that I will find myself leading somebody to Christ within minutes because they come into a supernatural encounter. Let me tell you, for example, I had a young man walk into my youth service the other day. He was so nervous to step into church. He was terrified. He had a big old wad of chewing tobacco in his mouth, spitting in a cup. He's a little country boy from Northern California. And he comes walking into our service, and he's like, I'm so scared. I, I've, never, I've never really, I mean, I've been to church late maybe a couple times. I wasn't raised around church, and I just, I feel like I'm supposed to make a change in my life, and I'm here, and I'm like, dude, it's so good to have you. Come on in, man. Come on in. And so he comes in. We were doing this big Christmas party for our teenagers. So we're showing the movie The Elf with, you know, Will Ferrell. You guys know the greatest Christmas movie of all time right there, right? So Elf is on the screen, and the kids are just watching it and eating popcorn and having fun. He comes in, and he's just terrified to be in the building. So I sat down with him, and I just began to love on him and, and make him feel right at home. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I begin to hear the thoughts that weren't my own that were thoughts for him and where he's at. And I begin to tell him who he was. I saw on him, I said, you have a real heart of justice. You hate it when people get bullied, don't you? I was like, dude, how did you know that? I'm like, I just know things about people. I didn't give him the Jesus, I didn't drop the Jesus bomb yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm a believer. God is inside of me and today is your day of salvation. <laughs> I just played it cool. I was coming at him. Jesus came down on their level and talked to them. And so I just came down on his level and just talked to him for a minute. And, uh, and I just began to just hear the things of his heart and just call out the things of his heart. And he was so shocked that I knew these things about his life. I'm not a superstar. I'm a, I'm a kid from Salt Lake City, Utah, who just encountered God and have just learned. I just, I just want to see people meet Jesus. But I, want him, I want him to come into a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. So this kid, I'm just sharing the things of his life. And this is who you are. You're bold and courageous and you don't want to just work a job your whole life. You actually have a passion to change the world around you, don't you? And he's just getting lit up. How do you know this? And I said, the Holy Spirit, who knows every moment of your life, lives inside of me and is sharing details of your life to show you he sees you, he knows you, he's real, and he wants a relationship with you. Would you like that? He says, I would. Well, let me show you how. There's only one way. His name is Jesus. He came. He died on a cross. Whoo, I just got chills all over my head. And I got to share the gospel with him. I said, would you like to invite Christ into your life? He said, I would. So I pray for him. Jesus comes into his life. All of a sudden, he's like, this is the most bizarre feeling. My arms are numb. I can't lift up my hands. This is like a non-church kid. I just love this. I can't lift up my hands. This is so weird. Whoo, I'm hot. I got shivers up my spine. You know, he was just getting wrecked. Just encountering God for the very first time in his life. It was just supernaturally natural. And so I'm an equipper. I want to equip people to do this stuff. How many of you guys want to be equipped to do this stuff? Yeah. Activated to do this stuff. Well, let me tell you something. 
There's a really important verse in the Bible that I had to open up to in the very beginning here. John chapter 14. Jesus is talking to his disciples in verse 12. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. How many of you want to do something greater than what Jesus did? Now, does that mess with your religious mind? Never. I can never do anything greater than Jesus did. Well, if you don't think like a father, it might mess with you. But when you think like a dad, you look at your kids and say, go higher, son. Do more. My ceiling is your floor. Go for it. And that's how the father looks at us. Amen. The other day, I went up to a guy. He was came up on a Sunday morning, and, and uh, he was a biker-looking dude, and he didn't smell like he'd taken a shower in a month. And uh, he says, I can't see. My eyes are all blurry, and I, I have a hard time seeing. And I, I was like, all right, well, let me pray for you. I believe Jesus wants to heal your eyes. I put my hand on his eyes, and uh, I just spoke. I just said, I just release healing to these eyes. You see, I carry the kingdom of God. I carry it, and I have access to release and empower the gifts of the Spirit wherever I go. Because it's just like we both have this. We're all family. One Father. Anyways, yeah. Pray for him. Lord, speak to his eyes right there, and all of a sudden he opens his eyes. Now, I've prayed for blind people before who haven't gotten healed. I don't know why. I don't, I don't have to know why. I know it's, I'm just going to do what God told me to do. But this time, when I prayed for him, all of a sudden, his eyes opened up, and he goes, oh, my gosh. I mean, he was lit up like a Christmas tree, freaking out. I can read the words on the screen. Oh, thank you, God. He begins to just cry out to God as he gets radically healed. You see, we're called to do greater works. Now, that's not greater works because Jesus did that too, but we've seen metal dissolve out of people's bodies. Metal dissolve out of people's. I had prayed for one girl. She, had, she couldn't do this with her hand because she, she had metal in her elbow. I said, I prayed for her, and then I said, show me what you couldn't do. And she said, I couldn't do this. I said, what couldn't you do? This right here. Show me what you couldn't do again. This. Oh, my gosh, I'm doing it. I'm like, I know. I'm trying, waiting for you to see that you're doing it. <laughs> We're called to do greater works. We're all called to walk in the supernatural, right? And revival never ends because of excess. How many guys, you want to see God move in your life, in your family, in your business? Hey Amen. Am I talking to the right crowd here? You want to see revival break out everywhere you go? You see, I had an encounter with God. Now I'm carrying an encounter. And I have the ability to give away an encounter everywhere I go. Do you know, every time somebody sees you, on your worst day, they still see Jesus. Because he's inside of you. He's a light that's shining out and he doesn't shut off. And so last thing I'm going to say today is this. If you want to begin to walk in the supernatural, it's not enough to just get teaching and renew your mind on it. I have to begin to learn how to take risk. I have to learn how to do the stuff. And risk is really the best way to understand faith. Faith, John Wimber put it years ago like this. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Sometimes I step out and it happens. Other times I step out and I don't see anything happen. Sometimes I step out and pray for somebody to get healed and something completely different happens. And I'm good with that too. Because it's Jesus and what he wants to do. And so we have to learn how to develop a risk culture. This is the number one thing for me that's empowered me to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. Because if I'm worried about getting it wrong, like my son, if he's playing basketball, and, uh, and I had him in the garage, and we're dribbling the ball all around, and, and he's just doing it, and, and, and he likes to stay in this one place where he throws the ball right here because he's really good at it. He's really good. He just goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I'm like, that's great, but I want you to pound the ball hard and pound it and so you can get used to really handling it when it's moving fast. And he starts doing it, and all of a sudden, the ball just goes flying. It goes flying this way. and he gets frustrated, and he wants to go back to just doing this. 
And I'm like, son, no. Do you understand it's good when you make mistakes? Because that's how you're learning how to control the ball. You're learning how to control it in a way that you can control it and begin to flow with the ball. Why is it that in every other area of life, we get excited when our kids make mistakes in sports or in school because we're pushing them and they're pushing themselves and, hey, that's how you learn. Good, good job. That's how you learn, right? I'm not looking at him going, why did you drop that ball like that? Right? What kind of dad would I be if I said, that's terrible. I can't believe you sucked when you shot like that. That was unbelievable. You should just quit now. Like, what kind of father would do that? Why do we approach God when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit and think he looks at us that way? If you were really walking in the Spirit, you would have never missed that. That's how we hear the voice of the Father. What is that? It's like I talked about earlier. It's the voice of shame. Trying to shut you down. Boy, I stepped out. How many of you guys ever stepped out and you missed it? It didn't happen. Hello. Yeah, exactly. You see, the goal of walking in the Spirit shouldn't be accuracy. It should be love. I've stepped out in the Spirit before and totally missed the accuracy. But because I was flowing in love, God always covers it up, and we see powerful things happen as a result, and people get touched. The goal is faith expressing itself through love. So here's what I want to do today. How many of you guys want to walk? You want more of this. You want to learn how to walk in the power of the Spirit so your city can come to know Jesus. Amen? If you want that, go ahead and stand up with me this morning. So good. How many guys are thankful that the Holy Spirit's not tired? He's not moody, like some of us. He's not temperamental. He's constant, yeah? He's faithful. He's the healing spirit. He loves us. So put your hands out like this, like you're going to receive a gift. Yeah. The Bible says that he is the gift and the promise of the Father. We do nothing to earn him except for being his kids. He's in me for me, but he's on me for you. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Yeah, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, earlier when I talked about that voice of shame that tries to make you feel embarrassed yourself or compare you to other people, some of you guys inside your heart, you felt like, ah, oh, that might be me that struggled with it, and then instantly you said, no, not me. That's shame too. Ha <laughs> ha. And so we want to just confront that. The best way to eradicate shame is through authenticity. 
the voice of shame inside of our heads that tries to make us feel less than God's kids. So if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I want to be free from a voice of shame that's trying to continually degrade my identity. If that's you, you just want to be free, raise both your hands up and just say, God, I receive your love. Let the love of God come and drive out fear. I just feel like, I just feel like God is affirming a mom today, a mom that's felt like you've the enemy's been lying to you saying you've not been the best mom you could have been better you could have done this you could have done that and it's just like God does not speak to his kids that way that's not affirming like a father so I just release you right now from the voice of the enemy and I break the fear that that could be God speaking to you that's not the father and I just declare right now you're a good mom you're a good dad you're a great son you're enough say this over yourself say I'm enough say I'm enough I'm enough to be your son, your daughter. I'm enough. Thank you, Lord. I'm enough. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.